I'm Meg Dahl, your unbreakable host. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Unbreakable You podcast. Happy September. It was September yesterday and also a full moon. So I hope you all are feeling excited for this new month and also feeling that full moon energy, which typically has us feeling more expansive and creative and outgoing and all those good, big, kind of like bright vibes. So I hope you're all feeling that way right now and excited for this new month. I know I am. So I'll give you a few updates before we move into this episode with my friend Emma Kessler. So first up, if you are a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, there is new content inside our membership site as of yesterday. Every month, on the first of every month, there is new yoga videos, new guided meditations, new recipes, new DIYs, and new courses and trainings just for our members. So like I said, if you are a member of the Nourished and Free Collective, go log into our membership site. All of the details to log into the membership site was in your welcome email when you became a member with us. So go log in and you can have access to all of our new content. I'm really excited for you to check it out. Um, We have the yoga class that we have this month is a gentle, restorative yoga class for stress relief from our Nourished and Free coach Katie Arnold and there's tons of other stuff for you inside there so I'm really excited for you to go check that out and use all of that new content in the best way for yourself this month and then also now that it is a new month I will be starting a brand new group of back home to you so there are three women that I will be starting to work with next week and we will start week one of Back Home to You. In October, we will be starting a brand new group. So if you want to be one of the three women that I will be working with in October, I want you to go to megdoll.com slash back home to you to read more about back home to you and then schedule your discovery call with me. Or if you already know about the program and you're really excited to claim one of these three spots, just email me directly at hello at megdoll.com and I will get back to you and we will schedule our discovery call together so we can get that spot confirmed for you and you can get started inside back home to you in October. So 
that is essentially the main things that I wanted to tell you today before we dive into this amazing conversation that I had with Emma Kessler. So Emma and I, as you will soon hear, have very similar histories. We have a lot in common and I know you all really enjoy these open and honest and really raw and truthful conversations that we have regarding eating disorder recovery, HA recovery. If you're new around here, that means hypothalamic amenorrhea recovery and also weight gain. So Emma talks all about her journey through eating disorders and HA and how that really boiled down to a lot of control for her. Emma is a health coach. She's also a Reiki practitioner. So she talks about how Reiki actually helped her a lot through the self-healing process. So she fully recovered from these things that she dealt with for so many years. And I'm really excited for you to meet Emma if you don't know her already. She's amazing and she also offers distance Reiki sessions. So I personally love Reiki and I feel like this time of year, I mean, all of 2020, I think all of us could have been doing Reiki like routinely throughout this year. But if you're feeling like you need some extra support um, energetically, I would highly recommend reaching out to Emma and seeking her out for her Reiki services. So with all that being said, let's cut over to today's conversation with Emma Kessler. Hey, Emma, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on. Hi, Meg. Thank you so much for having me. I'm stoked to speak with you. Yeah, of course. So, I mean, we have lots to talk about today, and I know you really like talking about energy work, and our listeners really love energy work and learning more about it. So I'm really excited for them to learn more about it from you today. But before we dive into that, why don't you introduce yourself to us? Sure. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, So hello, everyone. I'm Emma. I'm a holistic health coach and a Reiki practitioner based in New York City. And my history basically led me to do what I do today with my clients. Um, So yeah, should I get into my story a little bit? Yeah, I would love to hear like, where, like, why did you actually um, start getting into this work like what made you start looking into energy healing maybe it even goes farther back than that yeah so um from a very young age I you know was the chubby kid and my mom put me on a diet because the doctors were worried about my health so I went on my first diet when I was 12 years old And that kind of began my whole history with dieting and restrictive eating, which eventually developed into an eating disorder, which I wasn't aware of at the time, of course. But 
I started to lose weight, uh, you know, 12 through 14 years old. And I got a lot of positive feedback from my peers because that, I feel like it's not as bad now, but in the nineties, um, I feel like if you were the chubby kid, you got made fun of a lot and bullied a lot. And that was my experience. So once I started to lose weight and get that positive feedback, I equated that with being accepted and being loved. So I was like, okay, well, in order to be accepted by my peers, I need to continue looking this way. So I did everything in my power to make sure I stayed that way, which eventually led to a lot of restrictive and unhealthy eating patterns where I basically developed anorexia um, and was never formally diagnosed because I didn't, you know, hit the criteria. You know, there's all these criteria that you have to check. And I guess I just wasn't thin enough to be formally diagnosed. But all of my behaviors looking back were exactly that of an anorexic person. Um, I would starve myself all day. And in order to hide it, I would eat dinner with my family. And then I would just continue that cycle every single day. And if I did end up eating something during the day, I would feel guilty about it. Or I would try to work it off on the treadmill. I had started working out at 13 years old to, you know, lean, lean down and tone up and do all these things that all the teenage girls were doing in my group at the time. So I just thought it was normal. Like everybody was dieting. Everyone was watching what they ate. Everyone was huddled in a circle during recess talking about, you know, how fat they were. And, you know, these behaviors are so normal that I didn't think that I had a problem. Um, and I had gone to an adolescent specialist because I had irregular periods. They were very heavy. So at 13 years old, I got put on the pill. And that definitely did not help my health at all. Um, and then all throughout high school, I basically continued restricting. And then I would binge as well because I was just so hungry, right? So I would come home from school and just sit on the floor with a jar of peanut butter and eat the whole thing and then feel guilty. And then the whole cycle would continue day in and day out. But I think I hit it really well because I was still eating meals with my family. But then I would try to match the exercise to burn it off. <laughs> so, you know, the doctor had me keeping food journals, but I was lying on them, of course. And I continued doing this up until college, which is when I got introduced to CrossFit and the paleo diet. And that helped me in many ways. It helped me learn a lot about my body and what kind of worked and didn't work. I found that I had certain food sensitivities, so I just started playing around with that, but I still have the same restrictive mindset where during the week, I would try to eat as perfect as possible. If it wasn't paleo, I wasn't gonna eat it. Um, and if I did, I would feel guilty. And then on the weekend, I would just binge on cookies and ice cream. And it was just this, the same exact cycle, just through the lens of health because of the outside, it was like, oh, she's, you know, super fit and eats healthy and is into CrossFit, it's really muscular. So she must be the picture of health. And I mean, I probably 
was eating a lot more and a lot healthier than I had been before, but my mindset was still that of someone with an eating disorder. And now looking back, it was definitely orthorexia. I totally feel that. I'm like, I need to butt in here. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, I just like, yeah, it's so crazy. Um, I see a lot of my story, um, you know, like similarities between our stories for sure. And I know that's one of the reasons why you and I connected is our stories are definitely very similar. Um, my anorexia definitely morphed into orthorexia. And I'm not sure what time, like what years you were experiencing orthorexia, but when I was going through it, like it wasn't really like a well-known thing, right? Like people knew about bulimia and anorexia, but not so much orthorexia. Like that wasn't really a well-known term back then. It's still not even well-known. So yeah, it's like, it's super tricky because when you have anorexia and then all of a sudden you start eating and like, maybe filling out a little bit, but you're still super lean and have all this muscle on you, you know, the people around you, it's like, and even for you, I know for me, I was like constantly telling myself, oh, well, I'm eating, you know, and that was kind of like that internal dialogue that I had for so many years. It's like, oh, well, I don't have an eating disorder because I'm eating now, you know, and I'm sure you can resonate. I see you (laughs) nodding your head there. Yeah, absolutely. Our stories are very similar, and that is why I reached out to you, for sure. Um, I, yeah, it was about eight years ago, I would say, that I would, or maybe even longer, like 10, eight years ago, yeah. um, like early 20s, that I was dealing with orthorexia. And I remember the first time I heard the term, I forgot where, but I, I heard the term and I heard the definition, and it triggered me so much, where I got angry. Like, inside, I felt this rage. I was like, there's no way that's me. Absolutely not. Um, But deep down, I knew that that was me. That's so interesting. Yeah, that's like literally the exact same years that I was going through it too. And yeah, also I definitely like experienced that trigger. For me, it was like more so like talking myself out of like, that's not me. And like making all of these excuses why it wasn't applicable to me right yeah exactly that's that's exactly what I did for many years after that even still um because you know I was still tracking my macros and my calories and making sure everything lined up perfectly and if it went over if I went over something I would feel really bad about myself just as I did when I would eat period Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the past but it's still the same, you know, mindset of that diet culture. Mm-hmm. Just in a different but form, right? Exactly, in a different form. And from the outside, it doesn't look like you're dieting or you have a problem. You just look like you're the health freak and you develop this identity based around that. And it's it was really hard for me to let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can we talk a little bit about that? Maybe... Maybe not now. I do want you to continue your story here, but I want to make sure that throughout this episode, we do talk about letting go of like that quote unquote, like health freak identity, right? Because so many of our listeners are holding on to that identity of being like, 
the fit one in their family or the healthy one in their family. And I would really like you to share with us how you learned to let go of that identity. Yeah, I would love to. Perfect. So, I mean, it, it kind of connects both things, like the, the end of my story and what you just mentioned. So um, when I was about 22, I had been on the pill for over 10 years. And one day I just decided, you know what? I don't want to be on this anymore. You know, what's the point? I, I just had this feeling like I should not be on something like this forever. Mm-hmm. I just want to see what my body does without it. So I just stopped taking it and then I didn't get my period for like four years. So that was alarming, <laughs> clearly. But I kept going to doctors and they kept saying that there was nothing wrong with me that I was just one of those women who doesn't get their period yeah (laughs) just one of those women oh my gosh just one of those women and you know and and they would tell me you know in the future if you decide you want to have kids just come back and we'll we'll figure it out from there and I'm like are you serious oh my gosh so just being brushed off by these doctors um you know, they tried to give me progesterone to stimulate a bleed. Um, I even went back on the pill again for some time. And that's when I started realizing that I just had to take my health into my own hands because we are conditioned to just trust doctors. We think that, you know, they went to medical school, so they must know what's best for me because I didn't, I don't know anything about science or the human body at least not to that extent. So I just always assumed that they were right. But something just wasn't sitting well with me anymore. So I started doing a lot of my own research. And it was a very long process. But yeah, I just started playing around with with food for one. And that helped me and hurt me at the same time because it developed the orthorexic behavior. But I was also able to, I think, heal a lot of inflammation because I had eliminated not forever, but for a while, some foods that I think were triggering some symptoms, you know, like the common ones that you hear about. So that helped. And I started looking into, you know, balancing hormones, gut health, and I started learning all these things. And all of this stuff really resonated and seemed very probable that I could have a lot of these underlying health issues. So I started, um, yeah, I kind of went down the rabbit hole of holistic health and I really never looked back. I worked with a functional doctor and we did a lot of labs like hormone and gut testing that showed all of these underlying health issues, you know, like parasite, SIBO, low thyroid. I wasn't producing any progesterone. Just the list goes on and on. Meanwhile, I had gone to all these specialists, like a hormone specialist and a gastroenterologist, and they would all tell me that there was nothing wrong with me. All my labs were normal and that it was just in my head and that all my IBS was caused by my anxiety. By anxiety. But then I find out that the gut issues were was causing the anxiety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I clear up the gut issues and I have no more anxiety. Incredible. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened there. And when I realized that 
okay, I have all these underlying health issues and I want to fix them naturally without drugs. So it was starting to become very clear to me that I was going to have to change the way I ate and the way I moved my body and just my whole approach to health and fitness. I had watched some kind of YouTube video about orthorexia and I was just like, okay, I just need to accept that this is me and I have to choose my health over how I think I want to look or I think I should look. And that's kind of where it started. That was about three years ago. And I just started eating more. I just started allowing myself to eat more, to eat a lot of old trigger foods, you know, specifically carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we all have like our personal trigger foods for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just started slowly adding them in, not to overwhelm myself. Um, mm-hmm. I was also doing a gut healing diet at the time. So that helped as well. I had to stop tracking everything basically mm-hmm. because it, I was kind of forced to because I couldn't really track the types of things I was eating. It was a lot of broths and stews and soups and, you know, just whole unprocessed foods with like lots of healthy fats. And I was just like, I think I was so exhausted mentally and emotionally from tracking my whole life Mm -hmm. that I was just so done. And during, in the process, I realized that the tracking and the obsessing about food was probably half the problem. It was causing so much more stress in my body and energetic imbalance. And as soon as I started letting that go, I felt so much more free. Mm -hmm. And eventually, you know, it took a couple years, but eventually I got my health back. I got my period back. Yes, I know. It's so exciting. And I've had it, you know, regularly for two years now. That's amazing. It's never skipped and it's I every time it comes I'm so happy. <laughs> Girl, I'm on my period right now, so I totally get it. Yeah. yeah, and just I think I used to fight myself so much. We're kind of conditioned to think that having your period is dirty or a curse. And also learning how to just lean into that feminine energy. Mm -hmm. that I think I was trying to suppress like by controlling everything I was always in my masculine and by letting go and surrendering of that and just letting my body heal and gain weight and you know it was not easy mentally to just allow that to happen because I did gain a lot of weight and Mm -hmm. I had to make peace with that Mm -hmm. but like right now I'm the heaviest I've ever been but I don't have to manipulate or track or do anything crazy to maintain this weight. Mm -hmm. So now I know that this is the weight my body naturally wants to be at. Mm -hmm. Even if I have like a few days where I go crazy and I eat tons of like fun stuff, like I I just don't even think about it anymore. Mm -hmm. Nothing changes. And I have my health back and I couldn't be happier. And that's why I do what I do with my clients because will come to me wanting to lose weight and it's so much more complicated than that. So when someone works with me, I kind of let them know that they have to let go of that 
uh, desire, not completely. You know, I think it's okay to have aesthetic goals. I think it's okay to want to lose weight, but it's the energy and the intention behind it. Mm -hmm. You can't go about it, go on some diet, lose the weight. You're still not going to love and accept yourself. You have to work on loving and accepting yourself as you are right now. Because when I was my thinnest and fittest, I hated myself, (laughs) you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, do I ever know? I totally know what you're saying. Yes, yes. So as two girls who are sitting here right now at the heaviest weight they've ever been at, yet we're the healthiest we've ever been. And like, I know I'm the happiest I've ever been. And it sounds like you are too. I mean, like you're glowing and I wish everyone could see you right now because you're just like all smiles. But you know what? This is a really big struggle for so many women is like the whole weight gain piece. And I literally have so many podcasts about, you know, being okay with the weight gain and allowing yourself to just like accept weight gain and stuff like that. But even though I have so many episodes about weight gain and being okay with weight gain, I always keep getting questions about like, how do I just... Like, how do I just be okay with that? Or how do I deal with the weight gain? Like, this is such a big struggle for some women. So for you and your own journey, like, what do you feel really helped you the most, maybe? I think a lot of mindset and emotional work. Okay. I think if it, if it weren't for that, I would not have made it through. I would have continued all the same patterns. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, it was a slow process and I didn't even honestly know I was doing it at the time. When I look back, I saw, I saw what I did and and what worked. So I think I started, I mean, I went to therapy. I started going to therapy and that was really helpful. And it made me realize that I had major, major issues with control. And the more research I did, I realized that a lot of eating disorders form because of that control, the desire to control something in your environment. I think as young adolescents, there's not much we really can control, right? Our lives are run by our caregivers. Mm -hmm. You know, we have to go to school. We have to do our homework. We have to take tests. And I think, and I was um, a child of divorced parents too. So I felt like, you know, I'm sure there were things going on inside in terms of that. So I think subconsciously I felt if I could control what I ate and how I moved my body, then I would have control over my life and my situation. So that control piece, I feel like, is what I see in 95% of people. Oh, totally. Totally. So... Going really deep into the shadow work and why I felt that need to control, even as an adult, even even after I had healed my body, I still felt the need to control. Um, and I think, at least for me, it was a lot about people pleasing. So I'm just someone who likes to follow rules 
Um, I'm an Enneagram type five. I'm like the upholder. <laughs> My boyfriend is a five. So really? you don't even need to tell me anything more about <laughs> what it's like to be a five. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. And I love that I'm a five, but I think. I love I fives, by the way. Hey. <laughs> yeah. So really working on that control and doing small things every day that I felt at the time, at least, was the opposite of having control. Like I didn't overnight just stop tracking and stop exercising hardcore. I think it was like every day or every so often I would be like, okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna track this meal today. Or I'm, if I'm tired today, I'm not gonna work out because before, everything was scheduled. And if I missed a day of my workout schedule, I would beat myself up. I would try to make up for it or work out twice a day. And I also realized that by doing that, I was harming my hormones, my metabolism. So just small little things where eventually I got to the point where I realized that I physically and mentally felt a lot better when I wasn't forcing myself to do all of these things day in and day out and just learning how to go with the natural flow of my body based on my energy and my mood that day. And now I, I don't plan anything. I just wake up and decide, do I even want to exercise today? Do I have time? First of all, and if I do have time, what do I actually feel like doing? And I think that's so much better for your body, first of all, and your hormones, especially as women, our hormones are so sensitive. Even even with men, I think um, men don't get a pass with that. <sighs> I don't no, think. No, I do want to highlight. So we were we kind of started this bit of the conversation about being okay with weight gain, right? And I just want to highlight the fact that like for you to accept your weight gain, you actually like it wasn't about the weight gain. And I really want to highlight that for women because, you know, we if you're going through HA recovery or eating disorder recovery and you know you have to gain weight or if you're going through any type of health journey and you know like weight gain is going to help you achieve that health that you need, um, we like freak ourselves out about gaining weight but it's actually not about the weight gain like for you and your situation it was about like control and that's what you actually needed to dive into it wasn't about the weight gain right no isn't that so cool yeah 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 it's like what is it actually yeah and it might be different for every person but for me it was the control and I and I do find that it with a lot of people it is the control Mm -hmm. whether they realize it or not yeah definitely I feel like like you said anyone who's dealing with an eating disorder like on some level in some capacity there's like a need for control for sure yeah and then to to like really dive into like okay like why where's that need for control like actually coming from yeah so I mean, for me, I always felt like I was trying to live by my parents' um, 
values, which they're not inherently bad. I just like nothing ever felt right to me about them. Um, you know, I feel like it's that generation that just believes that you have to bust your ass and work really, really hard and feel like you're burnt out in order to be successful. So that's the approach I took to everything, basically, including my health and fitness. If I'm not feeling totally burnt out and exhausted and then I'm just not, I'm not working hard enough. I'm doing something wrong, mm-hmm. not realizing that you can actually achieve just as much, if not more by resting and being easier with yourself. Mm-hmm. And that was a lesson that I only learned recently. Um, but even with the, with the dieting, like I adopted a lot of things from my mom and not even playing the blame game here, but just little things that you pick up here and there from people that you grow up with. I remember once she said, in order for me to lose weight, I have to be hungry. So I felt that way too. I felt like, okay, well, if I'm not hungry, I'm eating too much and I'm not going to lose weight. Mm -hmm. And I believe that for so, so long. And it's just crazy what we were conditioned to believe and then we adopted as our own. And I had to consciously decide to form my own belief system, my own values around how I define health and fitness and how I define success and abundance. And that's a whole other topic, but it is, it is related because it does go back to that element of control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially that like abundance piece with the control, right? Because I feel like for those who are trying to recover from an eating disorder or HA, and if control is like an issue for them, I know for me, it like manifested like whenever I really was like focusing on having control within my life, I was majorly like keeping myself small, right? Whereas like abundance is like associated with expansion. And it's just so funny how, yeah, like control just keeps us so small, yet we think that that's what we need to be like successful and have what we want. (laughs) Exactly. And I think we're told a lot of the time that certain things we dream of are unrealistic and I think that's how a lot of our desires get capped. We're kept in that box of basically control. Like, you know, I'm going to go down this path because it makes sense. I can understand it. I can control it. And yeah, like you said, we end up keeping ourselves really, really small. Yeah. But yeah, um, I just eventually got to the point also in my healing journey where I had done a lot of mindset work. I had worked on eating intuitively and something still felt missing. Like I, I still kind of felt like a desire to control, not in the same way, but I had started hearing about Reiki and this word kept popping up. And then I was hearing about it everywhere and I just felt very called to explore that. So that's how the energetic 
side of things came into play for me, which was less than a year ago, actually. I kept hearing about it on a podcast um, and I ended up getting a book about it. I was, you know, I read the book. It sounded totally crazy to me. <laughs> and then this opportunity just fell in my lap to get my Reiki one training done. And I just was like, this is not a coincidence. I don't believe in coincidence. And I did it and it was so amazing. And I never looked back. I love Reiki I, so much. It's amazing. And then I got my Reiki too. And I just started practicing basically right away on myself and then on other people. And now I integrated into my health coaching. At the time I was um, training to become a health coach and I kind of felt like I didn't really want to only focus just on nutrition because of everything I had gone through. I didn't want people to come to me with like health issues or wanting to lose weight and for me to just give them like a diet and a supplement plan that seemed very surface level. And like, I knew from my own experience that the mindset was implemental in my healing journey and food and supplements can only get you so far. Mm-hmm. And also, if you feel like you can get over HA or an eating disorder just with a dietary protocol, it's not going to work. Mm-mm. So you have to be willing to do that deeper emotional work and face a lot of things that are very, very uncomfortable. And it's not always going to be fun in the moment but you're going to come out of it so much stronger and healthier. Yes. Yes. So for those listening right now who maybe aren't like familiar with Reiki, they've heard me talk about it on the podcast before. Maybe they've even heard you talk about it before, but can you make maybe like a connection between how Reiki could be beneficial for someone with an eating disorder or HA and they're trying to recover? Like, is there like a piece to Reiki that's really beneficial for those people? Yeah, absolutely. Reiki can be used for so many different things. Um, So for people who don't really know what it is, put simply, it's a Japanese healing technique um, that translates to universal life force energy and the premise is that everything is energy right and it's constantly moving all around us but specifically in the body throughout the body through the body and when we have certain physical emotional mental things that we're going through a lot of this energy becomes stuck and stagnant in our body and it could lead to even more issues um for example I feel like people maybe with um, eating disorder issues have a root chakra imbalance, you know, trouble with feeling grounded and feeling safe. Mm-hmm. And then that's why they feel the need to control things. So um, a practitioner, I think, can work specifically on those chakras that are typically seen to have an imbalance with eating disorder clients or HA or hormonal or, or anything really, it just depends. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and also I feel like in a lot of these type A personality people, me included, you're never really in rest and digest state. And I think that's glorified in American society, which I think needs to change. That's a whole other can of worms. (laughs) (laughs) But what Reiki does is it puts the body into a parasympathetic state. And then that facilitates self-healing. And the more and more sessions you have, your body finally just gets to release a lot of those pent-up emotions, a lot of the pent-up energy that has been blocked from whatever you've been doing or not been doing. Um, And I also think that a lot of things come up for people in Reiki sessions like maybe subconscious thoughts or emotions or feelings or experiences that I can intuitively tap into and I won't know what it means, but I'll mention something and I'll ask if it resonates and sometimes it will, you know, sometimes it will, sometimes it won't, but a lot of the times it does and it, it triggers something or it makes them realize something and then they kind of end up having their own mini aha moment or epiphany. So I think it's just like another form of therapy, really. Mm -hmm. Except you just get to lie there, relax, and receive the energy. I think we need to work more on receiving. I think as a society, especially women, we're constantly giving, giving, giving. And my clients tell me like, wow, this is the only time I'm actually able to lay down and do something for myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh, Reiki feels so good. So I want everyone to get Reiki from you. So do you do distance Reiki, Emma? Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit more about that and how that works and where everyone can find you. Yeah, so distance Reiki, I basically do the same thing as I would do if we were in person. Um, So we can meet on Zoom and I start always with a guided meditation visualization to just help you drop into your body. Um, And then, yeah, you just relax. You just lay there and relax and receive. It's really, really that simple. And then, I mean, in the beginning, I'll definitely ask how you're feeling, where you hold tension in your body, what's coming up for you that day or that week. Um, maybe specific things you want to work on. And then after the session, we would discuss what what came up for me, what came up for you, and, you know, possibly a plan of, like, just some advice that I have maybe of what to continue to work on. And, yeah. Yay, that's amazing. So where can people find you, reach out to you if they want to start integrating this type of healing work into their healing journeys. Yeah. So I'm very active on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, And that's Emma's underscore remedy. You can just shoot me a DM. Um, I also have a website. It's Emma's holistic remedy.com. And there's actually a form to fill out, to work with me, depending on if you want Reiki or if you want health coaching, but just keep in mind if you want, want to do health coaching or Reiki included in that. I think it's so important. I would like to integrate nutrition 
fitness, energy, and mindset work all in one. Awesome. I love it. Now, one more question that I ask all of my guests, and that is, what does it mean to you to be unbreakable? (laughs) You know, I know you ask this, and I forgot to think of my answer. That's so funny. Everyone says that. (laughs) Yeah, um, that's cool. I can think on the fly. Well, what makes me unbreakable, I think, is continuing to speak my truth. Mm. Um, yeah, just exercising my authentic voice day in and day out. I feel when I'm not doing that, I feel a contraction in my body. And that's a signal to me to think about what I'm not expressing, whether that's to someone else, or maybe there's something I'm not being honest about within myself. So yeah, continuing to speak my truth and just be honest and authentic. Yay. I love that so much. And I absolutely loved this conversation. Thank you so much, Emma. Thank you, Meg. This is great.